In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear Canon, Reverend Father, my dear sisters, dear members of the Society of the Sacred Heart, dear faithful, My dear flock, there is nowhere I would rather be tonight than with you to celebrate what is for me the most important of anniversaries. Twenty-five years ago, I leaned down my head upon the sacred font and received the saving waters of baptism and became a son of Holy Mother Church. No, I was not an especially agile infant. I was a young adult, entering the church by my own choice. But with all I had yet to learn, from my later discovery of the true liturgy, from seminary, and from the example of good Catholics like you, I might as well have been a baby. Tonight, we celebrate the Easter Vigil as it would have been known by those first pagans coming into the church during the age of martyrs. This is why we have the very long 12 prophecies at the beginning. They were for the instruction of those about to be baptized. And we cannot doubt that their attention surely did not waver. This is true, especially if we think of the twelfth prophecy, sung in a tone of great jubilation, at the sound of which, year after year, I never cease to be in awe. It is an exhortation to those who would almost certainly have to die for their newfound faith. In the prophecy we read, Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded the Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. Then they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image which I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods or worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression of his face was changed. Against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he ordered certain mighty men of his army to bind them and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound to their mantles, their tunics, their hats, their other garments, and were cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And because the king's order was strict and the furnace very hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And these three men fell bound to the fiery furnace, and they walked in the midst of the flame, praising God and blessing the Lord. What is the meaning of this prophecy, especially when it is meant to be heard by those who have just come into the faith, if not that those who go along to get along will perish with this world? And those who trust in the Lord cannot be harmed by mere temporal flames. One week ago, our Lord ushered us into this holiest of weeks with the words, Now is the judgment of the world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all things to myself. This is recalled in the rite of holy baptism, in which the following exorcism is pronounced. Surely it is no secret to thee, Satan, that punishment is thy lot, torments thy portion, that the day of judgment threatens thee, that day of never-ending torture, the day that shall be like a flaming furnace, in the midst of which everlasting perdition awaits thee and thy apostate angels. Therefore, accursed one, deservedly doomed, Pay homage to the living and true God. Pay homage to Jesus Christ, his Son, and to the Holy Spirit, the Advocate. We cannot escape the terrifying truth of this night. A fiery furnace awaits all of us. It will be either the furnace of everlasting perdition, prepared for the devil and his angels, or the furnace of momentary martyrdom, prepared for all those who refuse to cooperate with the prince of this world to save their skin in the short run. We are all here tonight to be counted among the faithful of Christ. We have accompanied him to Calvary, even if we have borne a thief's cross, as St. Francis de Sales said. Nevertheless, we had the choice to be a good thief or a bad And so we are among those whom we hope our Lord shall draw one day unto himself. We affirm tonight a mystery of faith. By your Easter communion, you reaffirm the promises of your baptism, the very ones I made with my own lips 25 years ago. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born into this world and who suffered for us. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Affirming those things does indeed require faith. To believe in a God who is almighty, but also a loving Father, to believe that he is one God and three divine persons, to believe that the second person of that blessed Trinity, true God like the other two persons, took flesh from a virgin and became true man, and to believe that Jesus Christ, true God and true man, won back for us by his passion and death the grace and eternal life we had lost by sin, to believe that if we belong to Jesus Christ, 
by his church and sacraments and persevere in his grace, we will rise again glorious at the end of the world and have eternal life. Yes, all these things are beyond the reach of human reason alone. These things come to us by hearing and must be accepted by a mind and will aided by grace. But tonight we are also recalling a historical event, indeed the greatest event of history. Jesus of Nazareth lived and taught, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, died, and was buried. Three days later, his tomb was found empty. He was seen alive after his death by numerous independent witnesses. And for the next 300 years, people all over the world laid aside wealth and reputation, honor, health, and life to listen to those 12 prophecies on Easter night and be received into the church by baptism and to go throughout the world proclaiming that Jesus Christ is truly risen. How do you explain history? If not by proclaiming, resurrexit sicur dixit, he hath truly risen as he said. None of us were there to see it, but none of us are fools for believing it. Every Easter we must remind ourselves in all we meet, the resurrection is not a feeling, it's a fact. It is not just another article of faith, it is a proof of all the articles the one reality upon which they all depend. St. Paul proclaims, if Christ is not risen, your faith is vain. If there is no resurrection, we are the most pitiable of all men. If there is no resurrection, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Our faith is not vain. And now that our Lenten fast is at an end, let us eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we live. We celebrate the greatest truth of our faith, the one fact upon which all human reality is based. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and hath given life to all those who are in the tomb. I close by recalling the words of my favorite preacher for Eastertide, the great Dr. St. Gregory Nazianzen. It is the day of the resurrection. Let us then keep the festival with splendor and let us embrace one another. Let us say, brethren, even to those who hate us, much more to those who have done or suffered anything out of love for us, let us forgive all offenses for the resurrection's sake. Let us give one another pardon. Let us become like Christ, since Christ became like us. He assumed the worst, that he might give us the better. He became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. He took upon himself the form of a slave, that we might receive back our liberty. He came down 
that we might be exalted. He was tempted that we might conquer. He was dishonored that he might glorify us. He died that he might save us, ascended that he might draw to himself us who were lying low in the fall of sin. Let us give all, offer all, to him who gave himself a ransom and a reconciliation for us. To him be all glory and honor unto ages of ages. Amen.